So they haven't decided on a new, um, if we're going to go through, uh, you know, we went through Pirkeiovos three times last, um, over the spring and summer. And then we, you know, it was convenient because then we had, uh, we talked about Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, then Sukkot, and then some Kristara. So now we have a two month uh, hiatus from uh, any specific topics. So I I was rolling around, the, if there was a book that we can go through, and there certainly are, but I figured uh, certainly for myself and that, and then uh, I'm happy as people to, to share this out loud with, you know, we have, we put in so much effort into Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shminyat Saras, and Pes Torah, and it's, um, you know, we, we, we want to, and it's a reason why it's so intense, and it's not intense the rest of the year, it's supposed to be that it can uh, keep us going throughout the rest of the year. So um, I mentioned in my Nirvana note last night, you know, this the classic, uh, the, the, the uh, I'd say the cookie cutter advice is the same way that by Yom Kippur, we say a person should think of something concrete that they're gonna do. So we really, after Simchas Torah, to kind of cap everything off, uh, it's, it's uh, very helpful to kind of encapsulate the whole, the whole period to, uh, to think of something, something small, something meaningful, uh, that will kind of be your souvenir from this uh, very unusual, but I have found from the most meaningful, if not the most meaningful uh, period of holidays that we've had. So that's the cookie cutter 30 second version, but uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot more that we, that we can think about. And so let's just take a few minutes tonight to uh, the more effort we put in to try to keep things with us um, hopefully it will, that, it will last that much longer and be more meaningful. So we just finished Sukkot and Shemini Atzeres, and it's interesting, there's, they're both, there's two different names for the holidays. The first seven or eight days are Sukkot, the last one or two are Shemini Atzeres. But there's, it's interesting, they're both called Zaman Semchasenu. They're both called Time of Our Joy. So we, we all know that the most famous reason why it's called the time of our joy is because it's coming straight off of Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur. And before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we had a machitza. You know, people, the word machitza is used in many contexts, most famously in synagogues. Well, machitza is, is anytime there's a partition, something blocking. And there's some sort of blockage that our relationship had with Hashem before our Shana and Yom Kippur. And that blockage, uh, it makes us not as close to Hashem, uh, not as close to each other, not as close to our getting in touch with ourselves. So through the process of our Shana and Yom Kippur, that's gone. So when we hit Sukkot, we're just happy. So it's just a statement. You know, some, you know there, there's the famous question, that, you know, how, how could the Torah say you will be happy? Not everyone's happy. What the Torah is making a statement is that if you follow the program, this is a period of happiness. It just is. Now, let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of this happy day. So the, 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 the tools that we used on Sukkot, the tools we used were the four species, right? 
Lulav, the Esrog, the Hadas, and Arava. What does that tool stand for? Again, these are all ideas that are famous. We're kind of putting them together so we can kind of see where this whole, if we follow the program, where does that leave us now two days after Sukkot? So the, 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 the tool, Sukkot has two main tools, two tools that, that we're supposed to use that make it that happy time. So one is the four species. And the four species, that the Medrash says famously that it's about unity. It's about each one of the four species represents a different type of Jew, different type of person. The Esrog, Lula, the Hayas, Rava, all different attributes. And uh, so that's one way. And we know that certainly that uh, one way that we experience joy is when um, when there is you do you do it with others, either, whether you do it actually together with others or in spirit you're together you're you're, you're together with others. As much as you're able to um, to experience something with others, we know joy is 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 uh, is, is so many times of joy that the joy comes from experiencing it with, with others. So that's one tool that Hashem gives us on Sukkot. It's supposed to be a, a not loner holiday. And again, with this year, it's a little more challenging, but still we, uh, we, we connect in many, every way, any way that, that, that we can. The second most obvious tool of Sukkot is the Sukkot. And as we talked about before Sukkot, the Sukkot is essentially we are in God's embrace. It's got it's sila uh, sila It's the shade of God. It's faith. So we exercise when a person's faith is strong. When a person's exercising faith, that by definition is a state of happiness. People who exercise their faith experience happiness, and people who exercise unity exercise not only thinking about themselves. That is when people are happy. When people are focused on themselves either when, as, a, as opposed to others or as opposed to God, that's when, you, when you're least happy. It's ironic because that's usually when sometimes people, you, you, you get frustrated and you think, well, I need, a, I need to care of myself, I need to care of things, then you'll be happy. Yes, there, there is a baseline where a person could be turned into a shmata. But short of being a shmata, Um, when you're when you're not focused on yourself, you actually tend to be happier. Uh, so that's uh, and we use those two tools: tool of focusing on God, faith, and the tool of focusing on others. So that's us in a, in a nutshell. And then we have the last day that we that we just are coming fresh off of Shmini Atzeres, the last day. Shmini Atzeres slash Simchas Torah. Now it would now Shmini Atzeres does not have a tool. Yes, the past many years, um, the custom has been to um, dance with the Torah. But if you look, look in the Torah itself, look in the Bible, it's really just a day. It's just a holiday that's like any of the other holidays, except it doesn't have anything to do. No sukkah, no shofar, no matzah, nothing. So uh, it's... Um, it, it's very unique that we end off this huge, huge season, which has so many tools, right? 
we ended off with one day that, at least biblically, and even on, on, a, rabbinic, on a rabbinic level, there's no tool. So what's the message? And what, how are we supposed to, like, what are we supposed to do? So if you look in the, in the Midrash, the Midrash says that famous song, So you'll be, ha- so that's a Pasuk in the Torah. It says by the holiday, by Sukkot specifically, by the, it says you'll, you'll be happy on your holiday, and you'll be only happy. So Midrash says, what's this word, ach, only happy? To be happy. So the Midrash says that it's referring to the last day of Sukkot, of the period of Sukkot, Shemini Atzeres, and it's specifically telling us no mitzvahs. You're not, my, my son actually asked me, can we sleep in the Sukkah? And we, on the, on the on Shemini Atzeres. So you're not allowed to sleep in the Sukkah. You're not a This day is not supposed to have any mitzvahs on it. So what does the Medrash say? What is the focus and tool of this last day? Simcha. Joy. Yes, there was joy the whole circus. It was man simcha tenu. But that was a joy. We were supposed to experience it and exhibit it with the four species and, and the sukkah. This last day is... The goal is, can we experience joy without any tools? And, it's, and, and where is that joy supposed to come from? We just finished 20 days, Roshan, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, of trying to connect to Hashem and trying to connect to Hashem via the Torah. That's the way we interface with Hashem. Okay, sounds nice. Not easy. It's much simpler when you give someone instructions, right? Uh, to, you know, it's much easier to give someone a present, give a spouse a present, a friend a present. It's much easier to give presents. It's easy to say compliments. The harder thing to do is just to have that feeling, for someone to feel your love without, feel your concern. You see this by really great people. You can feel their care or concern without them saying or doing a thing. Now you should say and do things. But that's what's unique about this last day of Sukkot. So what is it? So we got we to gotta focus on that a little bit, and then we'll understand how this is the last message that we're getting before the long winter. Well, now, yes, Hanukkah's in two months, but biblically, this was it. Until Pesach, it's a whole six-month stretch. And in years when uh, there was a leap year, it was almost a seven-month stretch. This is this is a very important uh, message which we're being left with. So, spend a few minutes trying to understand that message. There's a famous book, and maybe maybe that'll be a book that we'll go through this year. Famous book called the Kuzari. Kuzari is a fascinating um, narrative of uh, the Kuzarite king, king who had a dialogue with Rabbi Huda HaChassid. And they documented, they had fascinating philosophical conversations that covered the gamut 
of Judaism, and it was put into a book called the, the uh, Kuzari. So the Kuzari asks that he asks this general question, and it relates to what we're talking about. He asks, "What? Why is now? Now the Kuzari is not Jewish, so he's asking the rabbi about Judaism. And he was very interested in Judaism." And he says, why is Judaism unique? And certainly at that time, and I think it probably is still pretty much the case, why is it that Judaism has, does not, is not focused on things that you can't do? We have a lot of can'ts, but that's certainly, um, contrary to when people might think, is not what Judaism is all about. It, Judaism is not about, you know, abstaining from this world. We actually celebrate this world. We use the world. We have commandments how to use the world. But he asks, why is Judaism has that stark difference that they, many other religions, they, that the focus is simply, let's not, let's not uh, partake of the world. Let's fast, not get married, whatever it might be. There, Judaism has a tremendous focus on things that we need to do. And even the things that we don't do, it's not about totally Xing them off. It's about uh, giving them some context. There's basically nothing in the world that Judaism just shuns. The question is, how do you, how do you, how do you interact with the world? That was the question that he asked, especially uh, at the time. This was a very, un it was very unique compared to the other world religions. So Rabbi Huda Chassid says that... You're right. If Judaism was a man-made religion, we, in our feeble minds, we can't wrap our heads around this, that, that a physical world can be something spiritual. So it makes sense. You see all the bad things that come out from, um, from, from focus on physicality. And so it's the too big of a risk, you know, engaging in, in, in many, many activities. There's just so much that alcohol and, and, and having you know, relations with people and food and, and there's so many pleasures. It's just, you know, the, the way to be a, a high level person is if, just to stay away from that. So Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid tells him, you're right. But he says, the good news is God wrote the Torah. And God knows us better than we can know. And if God didn't say it, maybe we would do what those other, other religions do. But God wrote the Torah. And therefore, the Torah tells us that actually is not the best way. It doesn't work. This is a physical world. You can't, as they say, you can't fight City Hall. Now, and, that was, and, and that was his answer. But the Kuzari said to him, I get it, but how does that work? And if, if you admit that it doesn't make sense, so you got to help me a little bit. Did Hashem explain us? How are we supposed to just, just blindly do that? When you get, and this is, you'll see how this gets to Shmini Atzeres. So the Kuzari says that the way, the real, real way, the, the secret sauce of Judaism, and this is, I would wish we could, I could stand on top of a mountain 
and yell this at the top of my lungs. The secret sauce of Judaism, says the Kuzari, is not the don'ts. It's not the don'ts. It's not the awe. It's the love and the joy. That is what Judaism is. Love, the love and the joy of Judaism is no less important and in many ways more important than anything that's awe-related. Yes, there's things we can't do and there's things that need to be restricted, things that need to be framed, but that's not Judaism. It's like, can't keep Shabbat because I can't drive a car. I can't, well, well, that's like someone saying, you know, I, I, can't, I can't be a millionaire because then I got to hire, um, I got to pay fees for my finance uh, advisor. One second. <laughs> you don't want to pay the few dollars for the financial advisor because you, 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 know, you get a, it's like on my birthright, my last birthright trip. You get a $5,000 trip. And half the kids on the trip, they didn't want to pay the $100 tip to the bus driver and the tour guide. And we had to fight with a ton of them. I'm like, hello. I just got $5,000 of trip. Give the 100 bucks. You know? So, but, 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 but this is the catch. Sounds like some other things. Got to gotta love. Just got to jump. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about a love and a joy, a simcha and an ava, that is similar to yira, to awe. What is, what is love and awe? Love and awe, I'm sorry, sorry. Awe, yira, not doing things, or being in awe of things, we understand needs a certain amount of thought, of intent, Focus. The love and the joy that we're talking about is a sophisticated high level that's on par with that. That needs a sophistication and only will come with the sophistication of, of machshava, of thought, kavana, and focus. And that is something that can be learned. You know, those of you who have uh, enjoyed weddings with me and, 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 and holidays, you know, thank God I, uh, I, I, I do it. I know how to dance. I enjoy it. I will tell you, it does take a lot of work. Uh, it does take a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that uh, I may have a little more of a natural inclination towards it, but uh, it does take a tremendous amount of work. And someone said to me once, you know what? You know, it's not my personality. I don't have my personality here. Now everyone doesn't have to look the same for everybody. But everyone's got to have this simcha and ava, which is something you can learn. We're not talking about a personality trait. So what is it? The Rambam, at the end of Hilchah Sukkah, of Hilchah Lula of Maimonides, he discusses what used to go on in the temple by Sukkot. used to go on. Now, today we have family parties, community parties. I mean, this year there was a lot less because of COVID, but people in their own way, well, certainly my wife's family, we had, we had a beautiful party. Something called a Simchas Beis Ashaleva, which basically was in the temple, the entire, the entire circus, pretty much after the first day, it was literally 24-7 nonstop party. 
the talent sukkah says, whoever didn't see the joy there never saw joy in their life. It was just this incredible supernatural joy. And Rambam discusses a little bit, and he, he, and he describes a little bit of what went on there. And he says that the celebration in the Beis HaMikdash <coughs> needed to be done, led by very high-level people, people who were very refined spiritually, really learned, developed people in, 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 in their Judaism, and everybody came. And you couldn't just jump in the mosh pit. Everyone was invited to participate. What they were supposed to do, says the Rambam, was lir'os v'lishmoa. They came to see and to listen. And what would the Rambam say they were supposed to do? To see and to listen how to be happy. To look at these amazing people who were doing the acts, all kinds of different ceremonies that were going on, and you saw this incredible joy, more than any joy you see in the world, and it was an expression and a relationship of this close, close connection with God, and it was the, the, the greatest physical and spiritual joy together. And, and that's what it was. They were supposed to come and look and listen. And it wasn't something that you could just get from a textbook. It was something that you had to get from looking at it, from a tradition, seeing how it's done. And um, the Rambam finishes. He says, whoever doesn't do this, whoever didn't do that, it uh, was considered a very bad thing if you didn't come and participate in this way to learn from this. And we find, we know in the, uh, in, in the curses, discusses that uh, God's complaint, major complaint against us is if we don't engage in the mitzvahs in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a happy way. So we're seeing this is something that you, you need to, it's an intangible. It can't have a mitzvah. It can't have a lulav. It can't have a sukkah. It can't have a shofar. It's going to be something that you could, that, that, that it's almost, it's like, it's, it's beyond words. Rambam discusses a little bit more. Today we don't have this in this way. It's something, this joy, it can't be an expression of arrogance. It needs to be, and this is kind of what happens on Simchas Torah, that you, you lower yourself. You lower your ego. You you actually make your body be light. Ignore ignore your body. You just let your body be beat up and just keep moving until it's gone. And the key is, says the Rambam, get yourself out of the way. Just get your ego out of the way. Get your physical focus out of the way. Not that we don't take care of the physical world, but but priority wise. Priority-wise, just come, let you take yourself out of the way, and let God in, let spirituality in, let higher-level things in. Okay, one time years ago, I know it must have been 20, 21 maybe. I was first getting into the dancing. 
seen. It wasn't always. Um, only about I'm on, my 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 dancing career is only about twenty years, and hopefully, I have many more years on that. Hopefully, um, I was at a bar mitzvah. I'm someone in the community here. Was at a very fancy mitzvah at a, at a golf club, and uh, it was amazing. I went to Rabbi Gibber afterwards. He was there, and he's I was doing my thing, and I said, you know, Rabbi, this is so amazing. And I said, I just don't understand it. Like, you know, what is it about uh, about dancing at a simcha that is just nothing to describe it? And he said, said a very simple thing. He said, when a person is at a simcha, what's really happening is it's your, your neshama. Your soul is, is really dancing. And you have to allow your soul to be in the driver's seat. That's actually what I tell people who aren't, let's say, gifted in dancing. Anyone could do a Jewish dance. You don't have to be the most, uh, and in fact, sometimes the people who are the most athletic and most nimble, they can get distracted by their dance moves. Don't have that problem. They don't know how to dance, but you know, don't have that problem. But uh, that's, that's what it's about. It's allow, allowing your soul to be in charge doesn't mean you, your body doesn't exist. The body is a very important job. The body is the is the is the is the chariot. Body's there. It's, it's carrying the soul. So that so that's the key, and that that's what's most important. And that's and you don't want to get distracted by a mitzvah because the mitzvah is a focal point. So. How do you get to that simcha, though? You know, many people, you want to just, you can see someone that's like, who's not developed spiritually, and they can run around and jump around and be happy and be joyful, and you see that's, that's not necessarily so attractive. It could be fun. It could be a lot of fun. But a long-term meaning, meaningfulness. So how do you get to that point? So all the Sfarim say, they say that, how do you get to that simcha? And this is why you got to follow the program. You have to have Rosh Hashanah, then a Yom Kippur, and then a Sukkot. And then when you achieve that awe, you have a mature look at the world and you've experienced all different ways through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, through all the mitzvahs, through all the, the, the different uh, focuses. When you do all that, the natural progression the trajectory of that is Simcha. So what's the last day of Sukkot Shemini Atzeres? The state that Hashem is helping us get to, the destination is this state of happiness, which you don't even need anything to be there because that's just the state you've arrived at. You did the job, all the jobs of all the different things you had to. That's how you get there. You can't just flip a switch. It's very, you can flip a switch, but it's just, it's only as good as a flip of a switch. But something that is has been mature and you're developing it, that's that's what we're at. And that is that's what we need for the year. The year is going to have its ups and its downs and its crises and its stresses, and you're not going to. The, the stuff that life is made of is when you're able to dance through life. 
One of my teachers one time told me that. I think he told me it on a perm. You know, I was talking about this challenge. And that challenge says, I've told you, you got to learn how to dance through life. And anyone ever dance on a dance floor, especially one that's a little bit more of a chaotic dance floor. You sidestep this way, go that way, up, dip, dip, move around. You know, you got to dance, got to dance. Okay. So that state of simcha, that state of happiness is the state of you have a understanding of what your values are, what's important, what's not important, you work for it. And obviously it's not it's it's not black and white. The more you have that appreciation, the happier you'll be. And the less particular things, you know, you won't need a certain thing to be happy. You know, if if your happiness is reliant on any one particular thing, and that thing comes, that thing goes, people come, people go, situations come, situations go. But it, you gotta be a rock. This is this is very good advice for marriage. Uh, if um, you know a person is independently happy, then the marriage doesn't have the stress of that, and it's able to flourish. Friendships can flourish that way. Communities, everything. A person has this this internal, just state of being, which you we 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 go through in a microcosm every year. It's uh. It's the biggest tool that we can have to help us throughout the year. But we see that the Rambam says, and this is key. So what we just said is nice. But we see the Rambam makes it a point. Don't think you'll be able to do it. Just figure it out on your own. You know, today, today, myself included, we live in the Google generation. Actually, we're probably past the Google generation. We're at the Siri, whatever, we're probably past that too. We we don't we we're independent. We don't need other people. We don't need to learn from a previous generation. We don't even need a teacher. We don't even need a rabbi. You don't need a doctor. You don't need a financial advisor. Yeah, I just saw an article today. The end of the four hundred one k. Um, but Ramam says very clearly that if you want this simcha, you're not going to get it from Rasha and Yom Kippur. Sukkis. You want to just get it from, from doing the mitzvahs, that's really important. It's fantastic. You can't do without it. But says that you want that highest level, the level of joy, the, the goal of the whole season, is you got to look and you got to see from people who've done it before. You have a glorious tradition. And we have people to look at. We have people we can connect to. And it can be numerous people. It doesn't have to be one person. Many men and many men and women who, who who've accomplished more than we have and have traditions that they have that, that that they have to share. So as much as we can do that, that's that's the way to grow. That that is the way to grow, contrary to I think this is very contrary to what, what is out there. That yes, person can should be self-sufficient in things they can be self-sufficient in, but there's a certain point. I can tell you, and and this is true in all fields. Pick your field. <laughs> there, there's residencies, there's apprentices, there's apprenticeship, there's a there, there's um, interns. And rabbis is for sure true, 
any the difference between the major ma, any major rabbi and to the degree you become the major rabbi is the way you're, you are able to connect to people who are greater than you and you learn from them learn from the way they act you learn from, from their knowledge from the way they go about things from their heart from their awe and i just uh, we just read this uh there's a book i'm almost almost done reading i highly recommend it's called um Rebetzin Esther Jungreis, fantastically accomplished woman. She passed away for you, a few you years ago. It, it, I can't even put it into words. The book is so inspiring. And she was a survivor. She, I think she, uh, she came over maybe when she was I think a, t- a young teenager. And she grew into this tremendously polished, uh, very scholarly, dynamic woman who, who just inspired tens of thousands of people. And it was people were had a hard time putting like what it was, and and and, and I read last night one uh, little vignette from once one man who was very inspired by her. He said it was just, it was this thing. You watched this person who was just so, such a, a high level person. She cared about everybody. She cared deeply about the Jewish people. She cared deeply about the world. She cared deeply about her connection to Hashem and her and her and her past. And, and people, when they connected to her, they just, not, God forbid, it's like an idol, but she, they, they learned from her. They learned from her what it meant to be a high-level person in, in, in every way. And uh, that was very inspiring for me. I think that's, on our, in our generation's level, um, that's what that is. And uh, that is in our control. It, it is in our control who we, who we hang out with, who we spend time with, who we listen to. Who we who we allow ourselves to be influenced by, you know, it's, it's hard today. You know, we get so much thrown at us. We, you know, we still um, are in the driver's seat of what we want to be want to be influenced by, and that's the message. The the message. You know, we had a long ho- high holiday season, and what's going to stay with us is the joy, the joy. That's not hanging on anything. It's just a high-level joy that you experience when you connect to to your to your to your high level. You connect to God. You connect to other people. Connect to the, the high level of of yourself. Something that's not contingent on any particular thing. And you need other people for that. And you know, during this time period, it's a little little a little bit harder. But in certain ways, the world has become more more connected. And I hope. That uh, that we that we able that we are, we are able to, to to do that. We hopefully we can be successful in leaving the comfortable cocoon of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sunnah, Sabbath Torah, to walk away with our own stand on our own two feet uh, and be joyful. And uh, we should all be blessed with a uh, fantastic, wonderfully accomplished, and healthy and happy year. Thanks for coming on.